Glenn Van Zutphen. Good morning in the studio with Steve Oaken, the McClarty associate <laughs> and uh, advisor. And Steve, we were talking about our International News Week in review. Let's talk about the 4th of July. It is 4th of July weekend, Independence Day weekend in the U.S. Of course, the actual day was uh, on Thursday. Uh, but people are kind of taking a long weekend, still into their barbecues and all of that. And we saw a most unusual display by the U.S. president at the Lincoln Memorial, a speech, uh, VIP sections, uh, flyover, tanks, all kinds of things happening that haven't happened quite this way in a long, long time. Take us through what the significance of this 4th of July was for Donald Trump. Well, and you know, if you're sitting in Singapore and you're looking at this 4th of July back in Washington, D.C., you'd say, well, this isn't really any different than what Singapore does, you know, on its national day, right? right? They bring in the Singapore Army, the Navy, the Air Force. They bring in the bands. They play patriotic music. They have, you know, fly pass. I mean, we're even hearing the preparation for it now, you know. We get it two months in advance. (laughs) Exactly. And so, you say, well, so what's the big deal? What happened in Washington is no different than, hmm. than in many ways at what Singapore does. And I think what's different about it is is two things. One is that the celebration in the U.S. is typically about the founding, right, of the United States. And, and the founding of the United States was based on that we as Americans have, you know, these certain unalienable rights, right, the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's what we're supposed to be celebrating, not our military, not the victories. We do that, you know, in the United States on Veterans Day. Hmm. You remember the military on Memorial Memorial Day, Day, but 4th of July is supposed to be different. And that's what is partially what got some people angry about why Donald Trump made this change to the tradition of the United States. It was also part of it, too, is, you know, the 4th of July is traditionally kind of everyone's holiday, right? And on one end of the Capitol Mall was the traditional concerts and fireworks and all that. And then at the other end with the Lincoln Memorial was where the Trump comments and rally were. And there was even a VIP section that was cordoned off right right down in front that only apparently a Republican National Committee and and key donors and people got tickets to. And all of that struck some people as being kind of un-American on the 4th of July. Well, this is what what happened is we have politics in everything now, Mm -hmm. right? And Donald Trump is is a symptom of this. He's not the cause of it, right? If you go back to basketball and Michael Jordan, and and Michael Jordan was asked whether he was going to get involved. This was when he was playing, right, back in the 80s. And he was asked if he was going to get involved in a North Carolina uh, Senate campaign Mm -hmm. on behalf of a Democrat. And Michael Jordan said, no, you know, Republicans buy sneakers, too. So I'm not going to get involved in politics. Right. Fast forward to today. There is politics in everything. everything. There's politics in the Fourth of July. There's politics at the at the you know Women's World Cup. There's politics on whether or not the, you know, Betsy Ross flag should be on a Nike shoe. There's politics in business. I mean, it's everywhere now. It's it's depressing. And so Donald Trump is just doing what everybody else is doing, which is politicizing everything, which is really to the detriment of the country. And of course, some people accuse this of being a campaign rally, basically for him. And it will be interesting to see how many of these visuals from that particular rally we will start to see in some of the 2020 campaign literature or videos, that sort of thing. Well, and what's interesting was the approach he took to this, you know, with, you know, minus a few historical facts that he got wrong, right, in (laughs) in his speech. But, you know, having, you know, the Blue Angels overflying the, you know, the Lincoln Memorial and having the B-2 stealth bomber go over, you know, the Washington Monument 
argument. I mean, those are pretty, you know, awe-inspiring, and it should have been for all Americans. His speech was not political at all. Um, it was, it was, you know, straight Talking down the Talking much about the military and... The military. The, he, he taught, I mean, he mentioned a Democrat or two in his speech. I mean, he talked about John Glenn, who had, you know, the astronaut, but who had also been a Democratic senator from Ohio. You know, he referenced Harriet Tubman, not a politician, of course, uh, sure. you know, but a, a great historical figure, an African-American woman. And so, and what was interesting is that he has always played to his base. He has never stopped playing to his base, essentially, from the time he came down, you know, the golden escalator at Trump <laughs> Tower through his inauguration speech and, and, mm. and up till now. But this speech was different. Let's see if he can try and, and talk to the country as he did. Now, the country's not ready. Well, a lot of people, a lot of Democrats aren't ready to listen to him because he hasn't spoken to them literally ever. But maybe he will do more of this. I doubt it, but it would certainly be a change. You mentioned uh, in that last little comment, uh, talking to Steve Oaken of McClarty Associates on our international Newsweek and Review, the Betsy Ross shoes by Nike. Talk to us. Uh, they had they were going to put a flag on the shoe, and then they withdrew. And what's the controversy around that? Okay, so the the the, the controversy here is that so Betsy Ross uh, designed the first American flag, you know, right around the American Revolution, and it it was you know so it had thirteen stars. She supposedly sewed sewed it and sewed it together, yeah, yeah. and that's right. It's called the Betsy Ross flag because it's right. thirteen stars for the thirteen colonies. Right. There had never been anything really political about this flag. Of course, it was it was an American flag. It hung at Barack Obama's inauguration as one of the flags. Oh, right? Yeah, it was the first American flag, and he had a, you know, the flags have changed over time as, as the U.S. has gone from 13 colonies to 50 states. We keep adding a star every time we bring 51, it in. 51, you might uh, argue, or 52, right? Well, but. Puerto Rico gets there, D.C. <laughs> ever gets there, maybe, but right now it's 50, sure, yeah. uh, but we start with 13. Mm-hmm. But now there are some, allegedly, you know, some white supremacist organizations that have taken this flag to be their you know, symbol for them because that is when the U.S. had slavery and it was only mm-hmm. white men and it was, you know, white dominated <laughs> society. And so some very fringe elements may have used this flag on the Internet or something. But nobody really, you know, looks at this flag as anything it. but, but yeah. a historical flag. Yeah. However, Colin Kaepernick, who is now a, a spokesman for Nike. And remember, Colin Kaepernick knelt famously during the national yeah, anthem. The NFL football, football player. Yep. And, and has been basically, you know, blackballed from the NFL, not allowed to play. Um, has sued and won, or at least sued and settled with the NFL over that. He has said that, and he has become a very influential spokesperson for Nike. He said, I don't like this flag. You should take it down. So Nike took the flag off the shoes. It had the flag on the <laughs> shoes to celebrate the U.S., took it off because it said it offended a certain people, and then it caused more of an uproar. And so that's where we are at right now, where Nike is now making a business decision that it wants to look at its core audience, which is younger, right, more <laughs> woke, right, to use a, a, a U.S term. Um, and they think it's in their business interest to not have the flag on to even take it down, even though they're getting attack on it from, you could say, the middle and the right. We are living in the strangest of times, aren't we? I mean, really, the, the and, and I'm not trying to, to downplay someone's feelings about, you know, what this flag may or may not represent. Um, and I certainly am not in favor of white supremacy in any way, shape or form. But it, it just seems like you can't, no one can do anything anymore without somebody perceiving it to be against them in some way. And, and I, I just wonder, where, where does it, 
where does society in general go from here? Right? And it's, look, I mean, and that is a, a question that politicians are struggling with. It's a question that businesses are struggling with. And so if you look at, you know, the Democrats, where do they go in terms of, mm. of you know, do, do they go to stay in more towards the middle? They're certainly left center. Or do they go to the left? And where are they going to turn out businesses? There's, you know, I read a very interesting article. I can't recall the author's name, but he said, you need to be woke or go broke. And, and <laughs> right now, and mean, being woke means that you're woke to the social injustices that have happened in the United States, mm. be it to African-Americans, be it to women, be it to the uh, you know LBGTQ society. All of that you have to think about now when you're in business. And so it is extraordinarily complicated to do this balancing act for business, for government, for politicians. And mm. you're right. It's just such a dilemma for everybody. Mind-numbing in some, yeah. in some ways. Uh, Steve uh, Oaken at McClarney Associates in the newsroom right now uh, here at, at Money FM. Steve, Hong Kong protests, um, again, another tough week in Hong Kong. It just keeps going and going and going. How much reputational damage in the business community in, you know, in terms of people thinking of Hong Kong as a good place to do, to do business, to have their business, how much damage is being done by these ongoing protests? And, and again, you know, the argument can be made the protests are for a very good reason, but how much damage is being done reputationally? Well, what's interesting is, is why are the protests occurring? And I think that everybody's focusing on, obviously, China and the the extradition law and, you know, one country, two systems. But what you also have going on in Hong Kong is similar to what's going on in the rest of the world, and that's you have massive income inequality in Hong Kong. The income inequality in Hong Kong is the worst it's been in almost half a century. And so what's driving the young people to protest Part of it, of course, is is uh, how they think that Hong Kong should be separate and apart from, from mainland China. But part of it is, can they get jobs? Part of it, can they afford housing? Part mm. of it is, you know, are they going to be able to have the same lifestyle that their parents had? Same thing that's driving, you know, AOC and, and, and part of the left in the United States. So you have those two issues, the, the political issue and the economic issue. And Hong Kong's leaders seem inept to deal with with either of those. Right. It, not now look, most countries' leaders are have been inept to, to, to deal with either yeah. of those. Look at Brexit, look at Make America Great Again. Um, not just look at Hong Kong. What is it gonna do to Hong Kong's reputation? Um, what I, unclear are, are people going to be able to to keep the confidence uh, and and keep their businesses there? Um, but both of those issues have to get addressed. I don't think anybody's saying we're going to pull out of Hong Kong now and we're going to you know come down to Singapore or other financial centers. But you are certainly seeing that, for example, pe- people pulling out of London and going to other places because of the potential for Brexit. Brexit. You may see what's happened uh, with uh, not an exodus of London, but but a little bit of an exit from London could happen in Hong Kong depending on what happens over the next six months. But, you know, I lived in Hong Kong 22 years ago. As a journalist, I covered the handover in in 97. And even in those days, you know, Martin Lee and others in the Hong Kong um, establishment in the Hong Kong government were were all concerned about what would really happen between uh, you know this interplay between mainland China and the Hong Kong government. Uh, Tung Chi Wa was the first chief executive, but he had cl- very close ties to the Beijing government. So this this story is not new, and it has it has played with successive chief executives and leg- legislative councils in in Hong Kong. It just keeps going, and it just is interesting that it seems to really be coming to a more active, in some cases violent, uh, you see them storming Legco and, and things like that, moment right now. And do you think that's because of the income equality or is it just 
a confluence of a lot of things. I, I think it's a confluence of a lot of things. I think one, when the handbag took back, it was it was you know fifty years down the road, and well, fifty years that's that's so far away we can't even think about it. It's not fifty years. Yeah, it's right? 20, 20 plus. Yeah, yeah, no, it's getting closer, yeah. and so now that's part of it that's becoming more real. Yeah. And I think the second part is that. And the same thing happened with the United States and China. People thought, well, if, if we you know, engage with China, if we do more business with China, we bring investment in with China, China is going to come more like us. Mm-hmm. China is going to become more like the West when we do things like that. That turned out to be wrong. It certainly turned out to be wrong so far. And I think you've got both of those things yeah. happening that, that, that 50 years ago people said, well, one, 50 years is a long time away. Two, they're going to become more like Hong Kong. It's not going to be that Hong Kong is going to become more like Beijing. And so that's driving it. And then I think you throw in the income inequality piece, which I don't think is being spoken of enough as another cause, which is getting younger people riled up. Mm. And that's where you are today. Steve Oaken, McClarty Associates. Again, thank you so much for coming in for our International News Week in Review. Always great to have you here in the studio. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.